Welcome to Friends at Film Camp, the podcast where two friends gab by the fire from our fun film perspectives. I'm Ginia. And I'm Luke. Uh, today we're talking about Tick, Tick, Boom. Tick, Tick, Boom was released on Netflix in November 2021. It stars Andrew Garfield, Vanessa Hudgens, and, Ale- and Alexander Ship, or Alexandra Ship, and was directed by... Lynn manuel Miranda in his directorial debut. Mm. So the film is based on the musical by Jonathan Larson, who is also lead of the film. Like the, the, like the character. character <laughs> the character, not the actor. Jonathan Andrew Larson Garfield, is very dead. Andrew Garfield is the lead. He's, yeah, he's the main character. So. Um, he's most known for uh, making Rent, which yeah. I have never seen and I know extremely little about. I know a fair amount about Rent, but I've never actually watched Rent because the Rent sounds like an awful experience to watch. <laughs> I've just seen like Lindsay. I think I've seen Lindsay Ellis's video on it, so that's like the most I know. I like a little bit of the music, mm-hmm. but I don't like most of it, and I just don't like most of Jonathan Larson's stories mm-hmm. or his storytelling and sadly that was kind of true here. Yeah. So you kind of like knew that going in. I didn't really have any idea because I don't know that much about Rent and I didn't know that he was the Rent guy. Yeah. <laughs> I just was seeing so much about this movie on online especially with like Andrew Garfield's Renaissance going on right now. Um and I was hearing really good things. I think I heard the word masterpiece thrown around. Oh, yeah. You're yeah? hearing that a lot. Which, so I was kind of going in with high expectations. And, yeah, I was, like, a bit let down. Like, Andrew Garfield did good. Um, and I don't know if, like, there's this funny story about how he got the part where, like, I'm pretty sure it's Andrew Garfield's brother or brother-in-law or somebody re- related to him is a masseuse in Hollywood and massages a bunch of famous Hollywood people, which I always think would be, like, the funnest job to just have a normal job, but somehow you get into, like, the famous people sex- sector. So you're a massage therapist, but you talk to famous people all the time and you make way, way more money than a normal massage therapist. I don't know how people would do that. Anyway, <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda was, like, getting a massage and he was like, hey, you know Andrew Garfield, can he sing? And uh, the guy's like, yeah, he's the best thing you've ever seen in your whole life. Um, I think he first said, like, wait, when do you need him by? No, that's oh, what no. Andrew Garfield said. Oh, then, no, continue. Yeah, the the brother, whoever it was, like, called him, and he's like, hey, you better be able to sing, because I just told Lin-Manuel Miranda you can sing really well. And yeah, Andrew Garfield was like, when do I need to be able to sing by? And he was like, a year. And he's like, yeah, I can sing. <laughs> <laughs> So, and he can sing. He can sing. He's pretty good. So I think that's just like a really cute... <laughs> it's almost like a retro Hollywood story, you know? Mm. Like, back when people could just like come and sit in the lobby until they got a job, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so I think uh, that's cute. And yeah, Andrew Garfield did do a really good job. I've seen side-by-sides of like him singing and playing piano and like the actual show and he does like a really good job doing the mannerisms and everything yeah but making it look really natural like it doesn't seem like he's doing a character at all no no jonathan larson in the movie feels like jonathan larson you yeah. don't like it's not i wouldn't say it's transformative because you still always see andrew garfield mm-hmm. 
but it's like like really well done yeah um but yeah in terms of like story and stuff kind of let down which we both kind of agreed on and like part of that is like just there's so much music and i just didn't like it very much no this is a very music heavy musical like disney animation for example only ever has like four or five songs Mm -hmm. and they're the reason that they can get away with that is the songs are all really good. Yeah. But here, the songs, I, songs, I can tell the songs are well made and well thought through. But like, I listen to them and they just kind of enter and leave. I don't know. I don't like... Like, no, nothing sticks with you with the songs. No. With the only exception but... kind of being the therapy song. The therapy song with I'm, Vanessa Hutchins. Yeah, I'm not mad that you're not mad that I'm not mad. That one is really good, but also... It's really short. It's really short, and I also find the beginning is the most effective, and it kind of gets less effective as it goes on, at least for me. But I do like the fa- very intro song of, like, 3090, Birthday... Mm-hmm. What's it called? 3090. Oh, okay, cool. I do like that song. So that was a good intro song, which I appreciate. Um... But that's the thing, that's just, I'm trying to be careful, because I don't want to say this is bad, because it's clearly not bad. No, it's not bad. I don't want to say it's poorly made. I just think that Jonathan Larson, who... It's definitely not poorly made. I think it just wasn't to our taste. Exactly. Especially because so much of the narrative and plot revolves around him writing music. And him being really good at writing music, that when you and me don't really like the music that much, and then that takes up a lot of the thing, it also kind of just makes the narrative less effective, since we're not on board. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I don't think, yeah, like, that's not, and obviously a lot of people do like his music. So if you Mm -hmm. like the music, you'll probably really like the movie. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not badly made. Well, I'm just, like, going, I go through lists of songs, and I'm like, I don't remember so much is because his songs are quirky mm. for the sake of being quirky. You know what I mean? No. Okay. I find them to be very... I find them to be the type of musical songs that I don't like. That are just like... I don't know. Maybe almost, that's a better way of saying what I want to say. Almost speaking too much to like a tune or like too direct or i don't i don't really know it's definitely the type of musical songs that i don't really like it almost feels like the music is like inconsequential to the words or something no i don't agree with that okay i don't think i think the music is there and this move the story needs music like how it's told needs music but yeah i just think that the songs aren't memorable or strong enough to support the story for us to be interested. But clearly Jonathan Larson's work, I think his work isn't very widely popular. It's very popular with a small group that's very loud. Uh-huh. Is it? I don't know for sure. I mean, sure. Rent is huge, is it not? Like, Rent was huge. Yeah. But I wonder if Rent got huge because... That small group just talked about Rent a lot, and then everyone had to see Rent. Well, even, like, that guy in the movie, who was kind of funny, um, there's this one guy, he's a famous theater man. Who's the famous theater man? Uh, Steven Sh- 
Sonnenheim. Sonnenheim. Okay, the character Stephen Sonnenheim is really funny. Oh, he's so funny <laughs> in this movie. I don't know how Lynn directed him or what exactly, yeah. but every time you cut to him, he's holding his beard in a confused, like, uh, I'm intrigued way. Yeah. But every time he's doing the beard hold in a different way. Yeah. Like, but it's like that, like, every single one of his scenes is a, almost a caricature of an important theater person, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But, and I assume this is based off of real life since, like, the other stuff was. Like, he was very, very supportive of, um, who's our main character? Jonathan Larson. Jonathan's uh, first uh, musical that didn't end up getting picked up. So yeah. he was very supportive both times he saw that. Um, and, like, encouraged him to keep going. So, like, that's somebody who knows theater, mm-hmm. obviously. And he was very supportive of him. So, I don't know. I think it's maybe just, like, a taste thing. It's just, like, not our taste. Yeah. Um. But honestly, I go through a lot. I like much more of Stephen Sodaheim's work. I'm mm-hmm. saying his name wrong. Oh. I don't know how to say it. I can't help you. I'm sorry. Give me a sec. I need to look this up. Because... Stevens Son Sondheim. Sondheim, yeah. That's wrong. That's wrong. It sounds wrong. <laughs> I don't know how you say it. Sondheim. The D is silent. Sondheim. Okay. Well, okay. So we're sorry if we're saying his name wrong. We've tried really hard to get this right. Sondheim. And we're clearly just bad at this. Okay. Name. It's the D is silent. It's, it's, it tricks you. Yes. So Stephen Sondheim, who's yeah. a major character in that the film, but better. he's very not in the film. Mm-hmm. He wrote a lot more famous musicals. He's very well known. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's written his big first contribution was West Side Story. Uh, yeah, he did West Side Story, uh, Company, uh, Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods. Those are very famous shows. Yes. Sorry, I spaced out. <laughs> they <laughs> are very even, famous shows. Yes, I know those. But even then, his style... <clears throat> I I actually am surprised now that I think about it. His style of music mm-hmm. is... I'm very reactive very similarly. Mm. As in, I like one or two songs in mm, the show. Mm-hmm. But I think the difference is he usually has stronger stories. Mm, yeah. I think... This doesn't... <clears throat> like, in the end, this is just a story of how... Like, some guy... Like, wanting to be a writer, and then being like, it's really hard to be a writer. Yeah, it's a classic New York artist trying to make it type of story, which is, like, we've kind of seen a billion times. I I really identified, especially with, this is why, part of why I like the beginning song, like, I identify with feeling like (laughs) you're going to be 30 soon and you haven't done anything. Um, So I like that exploration, but it really does focus on the art more. Um, and I found when the movie ended, and I know you, I, you pointed out this is because it's based off of the play Tick, Tick, Boom, but I found when the movie ended, I didn't felt as though we covered the most interesting part yes. of his life. Like, I kind of kept expecting to us to get to Rent. Which um, we, we got a tease of Rent. Yeah, like, I think, like, the fact... But I don't even think that, actually, I don't even know if that was a tease for Rent or if that was a tease for Tick, Tick, Boom. I don't... I don't know. No, they definitely... Mm, because well, they were like, write something you know, and Tick, Tick, Boom came out before Rent. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 
because I thought, yeah, okay, so, um, for people who don't know, Jonathan, what's his name? Larson. Larson. Uh, he really tragically died, uh, after the preview of Rent, which was his, like, biggest musical that Before he Before the preview. Uh, I, he got to see one show. I know he got to see one and people were like, oh, it's great, and then he died. But he died right before it came out, really tragically, like, out, kind of out of nowhere. He had, like, a... Larson died in his home the morning, an early morning on 96, the day of Rent's first off-Broadway pre- preview. So, they don't do previews in the morning, so he would have died before it. What? So he never saw it on Broadway. Like, the final preview. That's awful. He would have been there for, like, rehearsals. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so that's, like, really tragic. Um, And I think (sighs) that's a very integral and emotional and interesting part of the story. And how this film ends up working is, like, we get all the pre-stuff. We kind of get hints for Rent. And then we get this really weird... um, voiceover at the end which kind of tells us how everything ended which i wasn't really a fan of well it felt so tacked on it felt very tacked on and it was very much like especially because i was kind of waiting for the story to get there and everything that was tacked on was very interesting so it's like i almost wish that the i almost wish that the film instead of doing um the story of tick tick boom could maybe have started like when Tick Tick Boom was like, like showing, I have, and like hit what he was doing in the background. I don't know. I have two conflicting thoughts right now. Yeah. One is that, uh, I think Lin Manuel Miranda mm-hmm. had too much respect for the original. Yeah. And because of that, especially because he probably, as a young writer, because mm. he would have been growing up around when Jonathan Larson would have passed away. Yeah. So he probably had a lot of respect for this guy. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to change anything in his story. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to, like, honor his death in the story. Yeah. So it's trying to do two things at once. Yeah. And it really can't. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, because that's, like, a bad director move. Mm. But the rest of the movie's pretty well directed. Yeah. Like, it's well made. You yeah. would not know it's his first movie. No. It is well directed, yeah. Uh but the second part is also the movie itself doesn't ever directly tell you in any way we're going to talk about Rent mm-hmm. or this interesting part at the end of his life. Mm-hmm. The movie never says at any point, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. This is just an expectation we as the audience go in. Yeah. It's kind of, which you haven't seen, it's kind of the same thing with House of Gucci. Yeah. Where the most interesting part of the story mm. with is, and this is a spoiler for House of Gucci, when Lady Gaga's character decides to and plans to shoot her husband. Yeah. And in this case, when Jonathan Larson decides to make the story of Rent mm-hmm. and produce that. Mm-hmm. The films never promise you yeah. in any way they're going to tell you that story. But you as the audience go in... And are like, okay, that's the most interesting, obvious thing about this person. Yeah. And it's a little disappointing that you don't get to see it because it's 
it's what you expect out of this story. I think that... But they, they never promise they you it. You're they right. just... They, you just assume it, which might be partly on us, as, I, like the onus. I don't think so, because I think, I think you can work with that. You can subvert expectations, but what you subvert it with has to be as interesting as what I was expecting. And I found it was like less interesting, which led me to be disappointed. You know, if it was equally as interesting, I would be like, oh, I thought they were going to talk about something else. But this is also really interesting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like, because I at least I found it less interesting and less sort of nuanced. um, Then it's a letdown. And so then it's like, that's what I'm left with, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's necessarily the audience's fault. Um, if you're going to tell an alternative story, it has to be as good, is my opinion. They aren't telling an alternative story. This is what they were based on. Like, well, both it's an thing- alternative story to what the audience is expecting. But not what they were promised. Sure. Tick, tick, boom existed before this. <sighs> yeah. I know, but I've already established I think that was the wrong choice for this movie. To focus on just Tick, Tick, Boom and the story of Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, Though I really like the inclusion. We kind of both agreed after. Throughout the movie, there's like... we're, We're seeing the story... We're seeing what Jonathan wrote Tick, Tick, Boom about as it's happening... And then we flash forward to the stage show sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like we ju- we cut between them. Exactly. And we both agreed that everything that was like kind of recreating the stage show was actually the best part of the movie for us. It was very Chicago mm-hmm. movie energy. I really liked seeing. Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing the stage show and I thought that that was more entertaining. So <laughs> that also means to me in terms of adaptation, I found the original stage show more entertaining than the adaptation that was showing me the same events you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i feel like there was a better at least in my opinion there was a better way to do that we could have done like after the stage show showing the stage show telling us the same events and then like what was happening after or at the same time as what he was when he was performing that or something i just think there was a better way to focus the narrative on a more like interesting point in his life i think it might have helped to have a better ending part talking about yeah what happened maybe that's just what it needed lin-win mel miranda should have had written one extra song and added it to the end mm. and like had that song concluded differently maybe i don't know that's not i i think i still would have wanted a different story but like also um, I don't think you can do a different story with Tick, Tick, Boom. You could you could do a biography of Jonathan Larson. Yeah. Or you could do Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. But Tick, Tick, Boom is what they did. Yeah. And I'm not going to fault the movie for doing Tick, Tick, Boom. Like, if that's what they are do- adapting, that's what they're adapting. I can't tell them, well, you shouldn't... That's fair. Do this if yeah. that's what they're doing. Like, I wouldn't get mad at the Phantom of the Opera because I'm like, no, it should be about ballet. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. But, like, also in terms of what you were saying with, like, the never promising rent is they do hint towards it quite a few times throughout the the movie. 
So they are playing into that expectation. They do hint it. They do little, like, almost... Things where you're like, that's where he got the idea. Yeah, like, almost Marvel-level yes. teases, where yeah. it's like, <laughs> see that triangle that says a quote? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the quote was. What? You look, I'm remembering the triangle scene. I don't know what you mean. Pink. Triangle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a poster on the wall, right? Um, Part of... That was another kind of, like, issue we had was... Sorry, go on. Oh, the pink triangle where it was, like, the silent death thing. Mm. Uh, I think that's what it said. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like, they see that. And we, as the audience, are supposed to see that and be like, oh, yeah, because Rent. Yeah. Which is true. They do tease it a little more than they probably should have. And it's probably a way of them being like, we know this is about Rent, but it's not. Yeah. Um. So, Rent, for people who don't know, which I don't really know either, so I'm not the best person, but um, it has a lot to do... Is it set in the 80s? Uh, it has a lot to do with, like, young artists slash queer people in in the midst of the AIDS crisis. I don't know enough about rent to be sure um so we see like a lot about that in this movie um it's set in uh it's just going into the year 1990 so it's still very much like in the aids crisis and um there's a lot of like queer people in the film jonathan's best friend from when he was a child is gay and one of his co-workers who he's really close to has aids as well and gets really sick and almost dies at one point but he recovers um but yeah so his best friend actually near the three quarter mark tells him that he's been diagnosed and it's like very very upsetting and emotional and then we like never really super hear what goes on with that which is part of another issue we had with that ending voiceover bit was they um, throughout the movie, Jonathan has a, a girlfriend who he then, she's thinking about moving somewhere for a job that's, like, out of New York. And she wants him to come with her, but also knows, like, he's not going to come with her. But she wants to talk about it, and he keeps being like, I'll talk about it later, because he's preparing for um, a preview for his musical. Um, and he just, like, keeps putting it off um and so then that causes some issues obviously because he refuses to talk to her about it they end up breaking up but they like still kind of love each other but it's clear by the end they're like fully broken up yeah and she's the one who does the voiceover at the end which is very strange because we both agree it should have been his best friend yeah who we because we don't hear about what happened with him well, we the see movie... him kind of in the audience during rent so we assume he's alive still in the film, he told us, maybe I have a year to live. So that's what we've been told. Obviously, fantastic if he lives longer. But I am kind of worried about him now because you told me that he was going to die. So, like, maybe let me know that he well, didn't or I don't the even thing. know what The happened. film ends our relationship with the girlfriend. <clears throat> mm-hmm. We see her and Jonathan and they fight and they break up and then they have a quick discussion at the end. Yeah. Where she's like, I'm moving on. Yeah. Quite literally. I'm moving away. I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. And then the... So we as the audience are like, okay, goodbye. Yeah. Like, that is over. Yeah. We're glad to see that relationship. 
But at the same time, we're being told, no, 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 we're adding extra energy to the best friend because Mm -hmm. they're in crisis. Yeah. And And it's like a whole thing where, like, Jonathan was ignoring everything throughout the movie, including that's why him and his girlfriend broke up. But his friend was also, like, calling him and being like, hey, like, I need to talk to you. And he's like, I'll talk to you later. And then he finds out and he's like, why didn't you tell me sooner? And then he's like, you tried to tell me sooner. And that's when he's like, I feel like that is also his biggest point of emotional growth. He doesn't have that much emotional growth. But that's the biggest point where he was like, shit, I got to, like, not ignore people so intensely when they're trying to tell me shit you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's like i also he the best friend and andrew no jonathan have the biggest emotional peak of the film yeah in my opinion want to know what this reminds me of what and i don't know if they actually did this i don't think they did this but i have i can't figure out why do you remember michael buble yeah and he sang a cover of Santa Baby. <laughs> yeah. But he switched it to Santa Buddy. Yeah, hilarious. To let, be like, Haha, no homo. So funny. It like it's a whole like I'm not gay, so I can't sing this one. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like giving off that energy. Like, <laughs> yeah, he this was his best friend who he was emotionally attached to, mm-hmm. and like we got the most development for. Yeah. But his girl is his real important figure. Yeah. And we're like, but that's not what it is. Yeah. It's giving the same vibe. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, yeah, she's a really weird decision to like end on. Cause even like, even though they're cute at the beginning of the movie and you're like, oh, they're cute. The rest of the movie, they're in crisis and it's like Jonathan's fault, but you don't, there's not a much, there's not enough of, them together that as an audience were like super emotionally invested mm-hmm. in this relationship and it's like we need them to get back together it's more like and even though it is jonathan's fault yeah like it is indisputably he's the one that is putting the strain on this relationship yeah it also just didn't strike me as a good relationship because they were in such different places it did she it's... was looking for like stable stability and yeah. Like, long-term fun, yeah. but stability. And he didn't want to do stability right now. He yeah. wanted to be fluking, like, fluking around and in the wind. Yeah. Not and, that like, it was like going a, for his goals. Not that it was a bad relationship. It just seemed like they were naturally moving apart, as mm-hmm. sometimes it happens in relationships. So, yeah, like, that's a good point. It's like, from the beginning, we literally start the movie, and it's clear that they are, like, moving away from each other. Yeah. Like, it just seems naturally that Mm -hmm. they were not good. From early on, we were saying, they're cute. They're not going to be a good couple. Yeah. Just because they're in different places. And Jonathan's the one being an asshole here. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take that away. Yeah. She is not being an asshole in any way. But, yeah, like, as an audience member, you're not like, this is going to make it. (laughs) So, from the beginning, you know that they're breaking up, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like it's such a weird choice to end with her. Yeah. Also, let's talk about how Vanessa Hudgens was like very prominent in advertising and she's just like hardly in this movie. Yeah. She's well, only like she's an actress in his preview and in Tick Tick Boom in like the stage segments, but that's like really all she's in it. And it's clear by the final scene 
she's at the party with all them. Like, she's friends with him now. And, like, yeah. that's the idea. They're, like, professional friends, and he, like, enjoys her talent, so he uses her for his shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is... The best scenes in the movie yeah. are those stage shows. Yeah. And so the advertising used a lot of the stage shows. Yeah. Especially Therapy Song, mm-hmm. which is the best song in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it's even better on just the soundtrack. Because oh, yeah? they take out the cuts. Because mm. that's the problem I had with the Therapy Song in the movie. Is they yeah. cut so much. I'm to like, I'm fighting. just getting into it. Yeah. Which... I didn't like because it was taking away from the song, mm-hmm. which made the song feel less important. Yeah. But she's the one that's prominent mm-hmm. in all those shots. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she would. Which is, again, it's not necessarily bad, but it's just like they set up the expectation that she was in it, which mm-hmm. I was kind of excited to see her in something like more serious. Mm-hmm. That's not like a Christmas Netflix movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's great in this she movie. She does do a good job, yeah. Like, to the point when I saw the trailers, I'm like, I'm surprised there's, like, no Oscar buzz. Even if it's just Netflix making Oscar buzz for her. Yeah. Because I'm like, she's, like, a supporting actress in a big Oscar movie. That's interesting. I'm like, oh, now that I've seen the movie, she's not supporting. She's just there. Yeah, she's, like, a side character. Like, she is supporting, but she's a lot less than I thought. Yeah. Than we all thought. Yeah. So. Yeah, which is just kind of a bummer because it's 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 interesting when I'm looking back at it. I don't even think the girlfriend was in any of the promo stuff. I don't remember I think, seeing her at all. I think she was briefly in some trailers. Like mm-hmm. she wasn't a big focus. Because I like the actress. She's from um, uh, Love Simon, yeah. and I really liked her in that. That's the only other thing I think I've seen her in. Alexandra Ship. Yeah, she is from. She has an interesting filmography. She's done some of the X-Men movies, The Storm. <gasps> oh, yeah. Uh, and she was in Love, Simon. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, now Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. And she's really good in the movie. It's just, it's weird to set it up like that. Exactly. So maybe the movie had needed better advertising, but I think the movie knows and netflix which is pushing it for oscars knows Mm -hmm. their oscar chances are all in andrew so they're putting the best andrew scenes yeah and he did do a really good job he could win yeah because right now his biggest competition is will smith in my like from my perspective that if he wins it would be like a bohemian rhapsody situation where it's like a really good performance in like an okay movie Oscars like Bohemian Rhapsody. Which is weird to me. That's a separate conversation. <laughs> we'll watch that someday. But yeah, it's, if he wins, it's because the whole movie relied on his performance. Yeah. So. Who knows? Oscars are weird this year. And I don't think anyone's going to watch them unless they get great hosts. Because, like, Tick, Tick, Boom was successful. But no one outside of, like, a few diehard TikTok fans yeah. are really talking about it. I've seen people talking about it. I don't know. I think what's insane to me is the Oscars is really pushing for um, Nicole Kidman uh, as like Lucy... What's Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball, which is like insane. 
And I don't well, we understand. Seen that. I know I haven't seen it, but I've only heard movie. bad things. And it's like so crazy to me that that's what they're like going with. Next week's movie. <sighs> I mean, we could. Where is it? Prime. Oh, okay. Hey. Um, oh, I also really liked seeing. So, the best friend, who he, we've seen him in a few things. He was in Boys in the Band, our least watched episode of the podcast. Yeah. And a few other things. He normally plays very flamboyant. Um, and I was excited to see him in a more prominent role. In a, like a more serious movie. So I was just like excited to see him in like a very important role. Because I feel like normally he's like the side flamboyant one. You know, who's like almost played for jokes. And in this one it wasn't that at all. Um, Mm -hmm. which I just appreciate that he was, like, a very, like, serious, emotionally deep character. Uh, yeah, he was good. And I thought he was a good, like, I don't think foil is the right word, but his storyline is that he wanted to be an actor, and it wasn't turning out, and he got, like, a good job in advertising. And he sold out. He sold out. He sold out. But he's not in any way whatsoever sad he did. Yeah. He was like, I was a mediocre actor in New York. They have enough of those. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make money. Yeah. So it was like, it was a good, like, counter to, um, you know, struggling artists versus, like, quote, selling out. Yeah. Um, and he made really good points, which I also really liked in terms of, like, how he wasn't villainized in the story. Yeah. No, they have great chemistry together they as do. friends. Yeah. And they make sure it's very clear they're, like, really good friends, but they don't like tease anything mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah i thought jonathan was gay going into this it's kind of bummed he wasn't that's okay i thought he was bisexual but people no. can be straight <laughs> i guess it's allowed <laughs> manny morphus <laughs> uh, but yeah i yeah. guess that's tick tick boom yeah um, i don't know if we have anything else oh uh, this is a little thing, but the producer of his Superbia show in the state, like the theater he's hosting it, that guy is super supportive of yeah. Jonathan Larson. Yeah. And I appreciated that. Cause they I could have like, made him too. just a butt. And this guy's like, no, the, I believe this is interesting and we'll sell some tickets, but you have to finish it. I appreciated that too, but it kind of made me not like Jonathan Larson very much because I felt like he wasn't like appreciative of how uh, like supportive that guy was and he just wanted like he he almost felt uh like bratty you know i think it was just him making ensuring his art was perfect yeah so i I didn't get the same vibe but i can see you got that vibe it just made me like a little annoyed because he'd be like i need a full band and he's like i don't have the money for that he's like and it's like he ends up earning the money himself it's like a hundred dollars each for like each musician which is fair for a musician um which is good i like that that's what he gets to but i was just like stop being mean to this guy he's he's great Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's being nice to you yeah so that was tick tick boom yeah Um, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode and we'll see you next time at the campfire